What up, what up? It's another week of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike coming to you from Milwaukee, and I'm sitting here with the boys. Let's introduce them. Up in Glendale, my good buddy, Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grabby? I'll wrap you with my cane, you pencil neck geek. <laughs> is that Freddie Blassie? That sure is. Oh, wow. That's a deep cut. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I am. Mean, I'm, the, I'm the resident, especially when Charlie's not here. I'm the resident old guy. I got to go, go old school. Somebody's got to fill those shoes. Yep. I love it. And always staying freshly squeezed down in Bayview, our good friend, Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, Matt. <laughs> I will walk with you. Shout out to him. Sure. Yeah. We haven't seen him in a while. We'll just got to uh, keep him alive have, in spirit. I have, I have always liked him. He's the man. I yeah. went as him for Halloween one year. It was the cheapest costume, and my hair would just happened to be that long, and I got it all scrunched. And then Kristen uh, went as Bailey. That was really fun. Oh my God, she looked just like Bailey. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember seeing that picture of you too. That was seriously the best couple's costume, regardless of whether it was <laughs> wrestling or not. Like just such a great resemblance. Did Did you guys watch uh, NXT when um? when he was like at the, the tail end of his time there, like that's still, no. I, like I never, I, I never cease to like, like when they do angles like that, where he had a loser leave town match. It might've been like Gargano. I can't remember for sure, but he lost. And then the next week somebody shows up in a mask, all the exact same garb of, uh, of um, Elias. Like, you know, like he wore that drifter out of it and he had a mask and he was called El Vagabundo. And he didn't even, he didn't even, he didn't even change his voice. He just, just acted like, uh, it was That's great. So I love, weird. I love when they do, it's like when Dusty Rhodes was the Midnight Rider and it was just dead obvious who it was in a mask. <laughs> That's exactly something Elias would do. Yes. You got to have fun with it. I mean, it is wrestling. That's what it's all yes. about, right? Yes. That's right. Keeping it fun. And that's why we're here. And that's why we're soon to be award-winning podcast. Absolutely. And speaking of winning, what did you guys think of NXT TakeOver this last Sunday, boys? Did you get a chance to watch it? We got a lot to unpack. Uh, we had a really good uh, first-round match between Johnny Gargano or not first round, uh, the opening match, Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest, North American champion. And uh, I thought this one was one of Damian Priest's best matches. Matt, did you get to check this one out? Yeah, I did. Um, I agree. I think this was one of Damian Priest's better matches. That being said, ah, I don't know. This one kind of fell flat for me for a North American championship match. I mean, every time that title's up for grabs, I just can't help but go back to that six-man ladder match where they crowned the inaugural champ champion when Adam Cole first won it. Um, it was a good match, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think the first half of it, I was kind of waiting for something to happen. And you could totally tell, I feel like Johnny Gargano was trying to make Damian Priest look good, 
but it was to a fault where you could actually tell he was doing that. And it just, I don't know. It, it just, it, I think it kind of exposed Damian Priest a little bit. I will say once they got halfway through the match, uh, Damian Priest did this crazy senton over the top rope to the outside and hit the floor. Um, right. Which by the way, fun note about that. I'm pretty confident. I don't know for sure. So for our viewers, listeners out there, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Shawn Michaels had a hand in crafting this match because when Damian Priest did that front flip over the top rope to the outside, Johnny Gargano sneakily pulled a couple of cameramen in his way and used them to take the hit, which is kind of a throwback to Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. So there were some good spots in this match. Like I said, it didn't quite do it for me. I think it exposed Damian Priest a little bit, but I think of the five matches on the card, putting it first and kind of, at least in my opinion, getting it out of the way was a good start. I really like this match a lot just because of that reason with the cameramen. I like it when they involve, uh, like we saw with that ambulance match, like the gimmicky. I like it when they throw just a little gimmicky, like just something that is a wild card where it's like, okay, so right about now is when, you know, you and you, I'm motioning my fingers to like, if I was backstage, like this guy and this guy, you get in front of the thing. I like it when there's just a little planned, like, oh, wild card thing to keep it guessing. Like I said, wrestling's supposed to be fun and I like that fun stuff. I'm kind of digging Damian Priest uh, raise, using the razor's edge as one of his finishers now. That's one of my all-time fi- uh, favorite finishers. We're probably going to do a finisher episode in the future. But anytime I can see a little bit of razor's edge and do it on the apron, the hardest part of the ring, it is the hardest part of the ring. Not the, the, I've heard that once or twice. Not the steel posts right. or the steel uh, – well, they're not attached to the ring, the stairs. But, yeah, on the apron, I mean, Damian Priest – he uses kicks a lot, kind of as much as uh, Roman Reigns uses a Superman punch. Um, but I thought this is one of one of his more crisper matches. When we saw him live ringside uh, at NXT TakeOver at Turner Hall when he was not Payne Hernandez, it was Payne Martinez, wasn't it? Uh, Punishment Martinez. Punishment there was no Martinez. Pain involved <laughs> There's in no pain. chestnut. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of pain of him back then. And when I, we first got a look at him live, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if I'm going to like this guy. Because it was kind of during the rebuilding of NXT after they, you know, put a lot of people up to the main roster. And he's slowly come around. Like, he's kind of – he's just kind of got an awkward, lanky body. So, like, those kicks can look impressive when he does, like, these scissor kicks and these roundhouses – it can look impressive, but when they're used a little too much, it kind of takes me to a Roman Reigns boring-ish thing. <laughs> so doing a Satan over the top ropes, doing some razor's edges, I'm into it. And I mean, his intro and, you know, the broken arrow, that whole thing, he's, he's got something. And this, I thought, was a good step in, or a step in the right direction for Damian Priest. Yeah, I agree. I think the, I totally agree with you, Mike, on the razor's edge, that move. Every time he goes to do it, I just, part of me gets excited. And I don't know if it's the throwback to Razor Ramon or if it's deep down the fear that he hasn't had a lot of ring time and might actually mess something up. So I kind of want to watch car crash, but either way, awesome move. Also the senton over the top rope, seriously, probably my favorite spot of the night. I can't really think of one that would top that um, until we get to, 
Velveteen Dream versus Kushida. There's a lot of great stuff from that match. But um, yeah, Damian Priest, a couple of good spots in this match. But I agree. I think a lot of his kicks kind of resemble Roman Reigns with his Superman punches. Just just a lot of the same moves kind of over and over again, um, which I don't have a problem with. Believe me, there's a time and a place for it. I think the intensity of the kicks um, is kind of where it fell flat. Because you look at guys like Aleister Black where they kick you with every bit of energy they yeah. have. And they can pull the kick too so that obviously they're not really hurting the person quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if Damian Priest tightens up that part of his game just a little bit, I can start to get behind him a lot more. Sure. Yeah, and I didn't uh, – full disclosure for this episode, I didn't watch TakeOver, but I did read numerous analyses, and I actually watched – you know, I watched clips of, like, a lot of the matches. But So I'm not going to weigh in on the actual in-ring work, but I can kind of weigh in on my thoughts on – or questions on character development and whatnot. I mean, I would agree. Damian Priest has, like, totally grown on me overall, I think – when he first started, I was like, oh, yeah, some notable from Ring of Honor that they brought in. I don't know that, how far he's really going to go. But he's just kind of hung in there. You know, now they gave him a belt, which actually really means something in NXT. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's got a unique look, which helps. And I think he's, uh, yeah, he's got that mix of, like, you know, aggression. And he can throw off some wild moves in there, too. I don't know. I, I don't know where the future is going to be. I don't think he'll be the NXT yeah. champion. And I don't think, I don't know what he'd do on the main roster, although he's got, I don't know. I like that's a 50, 50, like everybody else. The one I'm interested in is like Gargano. It's like, he's like the elder statesman now. And I, you know, if you read what things out there, I don't know that he's got any desire to really move up. Well, but and I, I also think he's, he's not going to move up. He's not going to move up with those outfits that they're giving him, too. I mean, he's looking like, uh, I don't, like, uh, like Troy, like an extra in Troy, uh, that epic movie, that Brad Pitt movie, where they wear those leather uh, loincloths and, um, like, these, like, it's really bad for him, I think. It's not, it's not working for me. Here's my deal. It's like, you know, we all know Gargano is a great wrestler. I mean, right. he's proven that time after time, but I, I kind of feel like they're running out of gas with him. And I think that mm-hmm. might be, it's like a rare case where maybe it's, I'm not saying he'd do well on the main roster, but I'm also wondering if he's running out of options in NXT because they've right. done everything. They've done squeaky clean baby face. They've done, you know, dastardly heel. They, they've done it in, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I just don't know where you go with him. I feel like he's think- just... He's going to fill that Ty Dillinger role where he's going to, you know, not really go anywhere, but he's going to put on great matches right. every takeover. He's got to have a partner, I think. And it can't be DIY, but I think he's got to get another partner. I mean, this thing that he has going with Candice LeRae, um, I just, I'm not digging it. No, I don't I think I don't, a lot of people are. No, and it's kind of a waste of time. It is. I don't, and I don't I, get Candice LeRae, like, or I shouldn't say that. She's a good wrestler. Her personality, and I guess that's maybe as much on NXT as her, has never been interesting to me. When she started, she was just Mrs. Gargano. It was like when Brie Bella was just imitating everything her husband did, and it wasn't that interesting. Like, I feel like, but and now she's got an edge to her, which is, should be interesting, but I still find her boring. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I I think the moment that I really started to get into Candice LeRae was when Io Shirai turned heel. And oh, yeah. Two, mm-hmm. Yeah. And those two sort of had 
you know, a little bit of a feud that was kind of short lived. I really wish they would have explored that a little bit more because I think when Io Shirai turned heel, it immediately raised her stake like tenfold. And then at the same time, it made Candice LeRae kind of up her game a little bit too, just because Io is one of the best Thinking in the world. More seriously. Exactly. Yeah. So, so since then, I, I don't know. I think I, I don't think turning her heel was the right move. Honestly, I think the same could be said for Johnny Gargano, just because right. he's been through so many wars, you know, with Tommaso Ciampa and others too, where he's the perfect baby face. Um, and then you try and turn him heel, and just I, you know, some folks can do it. Like you know, you look at Bailey; she's gone heel on the main roster, and she's done a pretty good job with it. It took a while to get there, but she has done a good job. I think with Johnny Gargano, it just—I don't know. I still to this day can't convince myself that he's a believable heel. Totally. Same here. Yeah, I mean, if you want to touch on uh, the heel part of Candice LeRae more, we can uh, go into that Io Shirai retaining the championship over Candice LeRae. Um, that was a pretty pretty good match. Um, it was good to see Johnny Gogano be instrumental in the outcome of that match with uh, Candice LeRae because lots of times Candice LeRae is the one that tries to help Johnny in his matches. So, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a easy to spot that that's what they were going to do too. Um, that's why I thought this match felt fell a little short, but I will have to give it up to my girl Io Shirai though. She looks great. I mean, she looks really, really great, like where she doesn't really have a lot of holes in her game anymore. Um, she has the experience. She has the the confidence now with the belt. I mean, her aerials, her her um, confidence, it's thriving right now. I thought that was a really good match, but it didn't really knock it out of the park, partly because Candice LeRae, she, did, she had a great match herself, but I just can't. Uh, I just can't shake the the heelish the way they make her her look. It's just really distracting. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think part of that too is as you watch this match, she has a lot of moments where I feel like she's thinking about how should I act right now as a heel. Like she'll she'll land a move or you know club Io Shirai in the back. Io drops to the mat. And then you can kind of sense Candace trying to think of, okay, what would I do next if I were in a heel role, which I am. So I, at least that's kind of the vibe I got during this match. So it kind of took me out of it a little bit. Ultimately, I think if I were to forget that and just kind of enjoy it for what it was, it was a good match. Um, did it steal the show? No, I don't think so. I think EO's moveset is amazing every time you see it. I do think there's a couple things she does that I'm starting to notice patterns in some of the matches she has. So I think that was another piece for me, at least that kind of made this match not as amazing as it could have been. Um, mm -hmm. But all that being said, it was still a great match going into the match. Their entrances really got me fired up for it. And I think part of that is because of the crowd noise, which by the way, we haven't even talked about the new venue for. Right. So, so this took place in what they're calling the Capitol wrestling center. Um, didn't really say where it was, what it is, anything like that, but it looked really cool. Um, they've kind of added with the, the chain link dome. fence. Yes. So they've, they've gone with the chain link fence over the plexiglass, which I think kind of like adds that. a cool 1980s metal show kind of vibe yeah, to the whole experience, sure. which is cool. Like um, a Limp Biscuit concert. Yes. A Limp Biscuit concert back in the day when people yeah. were crazy and went to Limp Biscuit concerts. <laughs> uh, but then you also have the Thunderdome feel where they have virtual fans up around the arena. Um, and I also read somewhere that supposedly they're doing 
uh, social distancing pods now, which I couldn't really tell watching the show, but I guess there's different sections sort of separated from each other and groups of people can, you know, hop into a pod together and, you know, sort of maintain somewhat of social distancing between the fans next to them. So, so right. the new arena, I was really digging it. That, that for me was the first thing I noticed when the show started. Um, and it kind of, kind of got me in the right mindset for a takeover. And it was just enough of those LED screens with the fans where it's not like a, a sea of screens yes. and lights, kind of how the Thunderdome was. There was just a, a good enough amount to make it feel like a smaller NXT show, which we like makes it what it is. Like it defines NXT being, it, it feels like more of a house show. So yeah, between the chain link fence, the balance, the lighting, I'm into it. Did you get to check that out, Steve? Yeah, no, and I think, you know, I think if there's one thing that kind of came out of the whole COVID thing, it was um, that it seems like, uh, or I feel like, you know, because the main roster was using the performance center too. I think that whole venue just jumped the shark and it was no fault of the venue. It just got really old. And then you saw AEW doing like different things. And then when they, you know, it just the stark contrast. So I think it was a smart move of them to just kind of, you know, they, they got the Thunderdome for the main roster. Now they got something else. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just something fresh. And I think you got to find ways to be fresh with what's going on right now. And I think, I think it fit that bill. It was different. It looked good. And um, yeah, no, I, I would give it a thumbs up. Smart move indeed. And what I also thought was very smart was to bring back Ember Moon. Yes. And Tony Storm. I mean, yes. Two of my first, favorites. Yes, first they brought back Tony Storm uh, after EO had won against Candice LeRae. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's back. And I've always liked Tony Storm for her uh, Australian accent, her wrestling uh, ability, and her booty. <coughs> and um, she – Bless you. Thank you. Not, in that, not necessarily in that order. Yeah, it's allergy season. Yeah, um, it sure is. She – I'm very much looking forward to seeing her back. And I know Matt is very look, very much looking forward to seeing Ember Moon back. Yeah. What was your reaction, Matt? Oh my God. This was, this was really cool. So I, I had high hopes that Ember Moon was going to return. And so after the Io Shirai Candice LeRae match ends, we see Tony Storm come up on the screen. And my first thought was, Oh, cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tony Storm's awesome. I've watched her in NXT UK. She's a great wrestler like Mike said, has a lot going for her. Um, but deep down, I was kind of like, oh, shoot. I was kind of hoping for Ember Moon because I, I, I was a big fan of Ember Moon, especially when she was in NXT. Yep. And so Tony Storm, you know, finishes her promo. Io Shirai's kind of standing in the ring like, oh, cool, somebody else to face, whatever. And then we see the camera cut to this motorcycle chase scene, which was really strange. Motorcycle pulls up. Somebody walks in and... Um, takes the helmet off and we see it's ember moon and she looks like someone straight out of mad max beyond thunder yeah she looked like tina turner she did um in a good way (laughs) like good tina turner so um and she looked genuinely happy to be back excited she's been out for i want to say over a year with it feels like it's been over a year yeah it's been a A long long time time. so i'm i personally am really excited to see her back same here i think they were like hinting at her foreshadowing coming back because I guess she's a big gamer in all those yep, little clips is. of the of the of the night vision and the motorcycle was supposed to be like a gaming thing and 
a lot of Sweet. people were um, guessing that and predicting that, and I'm sure a lot of people were happy. Sorry, Steve, I cut you off there. No, no, I was just going to echo that. I, I mean, I, I was always I was a huge Ember Moon fan the minute she debuted in NXT. You know, I um, I was super excited they gave her the title, and then um, she just did little to nothing on the main roster, but now this is perfect. I think like Finn Balor, it's like, it's where she belongs. And I think, right. you know, I was going to actually, I'm glad I waited to ask this question. I was going to ask it when we talked about the title match, but I was going to say to you guys, like, what do you think of the women's division in NXT these days? Because I feel like, you know, that, that used to be the gold standard. And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's kind of been a little bit lackluster, but now well, we got, the, you know, now we got two. Yeah, these two are just instantly raise its profile, and you yeah, still got Sha- Rhea Ripley there, and yeah. Yes, Shotzi yeah. Blackheart is coming up fast. It has been down a little bit, but adding those two pieces back, great, very, great additions. Very, yeah, very needed. Totally There's some agree. really good talent in it. Although they didn't they just reboot um, UK. They did, yeah. So okay, because there's some pretty good women's off. talent in UK. I didn't know if some of those would would be popping over, but I think they're they'll stay put if they're rebooting it. Yeah, I think I think I mean just kind of in general, I think NXT does just an amazing job booking their women's division, and I think they know that and they focus on it because, admittedly, I think that's one spot where AEW kind of struggles. Um, they have a lot of yeah. talented women. I just don't know that they make enough time for them on television. And, and a lot of the women are, you know, straight off the indie scene. They haven't had the chance to sort of level up their game. Like a lot of the WWE prospects do. They have the performance center. They have yeah. non-televised events, a lot of opportunities to grow. They're still that. figuring that out. Yeah. You, you look at like Penelope Ford, she has this like tr- transformational title match you know, what, a couple months ago, and we're like, wow, she really, you know, she that's a right. match of the night. And then she's, like, now just sitting there the silent Nothing. partner to Kip Sabian while he's doing his, like, goofy wedding thing and best man thing. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're still figuring out their division. I think they're starting to put the pieces in place with, um, you know, like Serena Deeb and uh, Thunder Rosa for sure. But, yeah, I think NXT has always remained sort of the gold standard of the, the big, the big um, programs. Yeah, for sure. So, so as it relates to Ember Moon, I'm really excited to see her back. Like I said, I, I feel like her gimmick may have changed a little bit just based on her new look and kind of the different haircut she's got going on. Um, I was a big fan of the gimmick she had on her last run with NXT, which I couldn't even begin to describe what it was. It's almost like a, like a character from like not Dungeons and Dragons, but some sort of fantasy video game which I thought was super cool. It was really unique. So I'm kind of curious to see where they go with her. Uh, usually a lot of time off for someone means they have a chance to reinvent themselves and maybe maybe we see a little bit of a heel turn. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm definitely excited to see her back because it's needed and I think it's only going to strengthen the women's roster. And uh, we just kind of skipped over Kushida and Velveteen Dream a little bit. Matt, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. What could so, we see from that match? Oh my God. So, so I, I'm, I loved this match, but I have to preface this because um, for those of you who follow pro wrestling pretty closely, you probably heard that Velveteen Dream um, was accused of some things as part of the speaking out allegations that occurred like a couple months back. And ever since then, it's just been kind of weird watching him. Uh, in NXT just just because you don't really know what's actually happening behind the scenes if WWE is doing anything about it or 
you know, kind of just how to feel about this whole situation in general. All that being said, though, and kind of putting that aside for a minute, this match, when I, when this match first started, um, so Kushida comes out, Velveteen Dream comes out, Kushida's gimmick is he's sort of Marty McFly, basically, for the lack of a better description. Um, so in true Velveteen Dream style, he comes out dressed as Doc from the Back to the Future movies, which was awesome. Right. Um, so that was kind of a cool twist that Velveteen Dream always likes to put on matches. The moment this match started, I want to say maybe 10, 15 seconds into it, the first thing I thought was, is this a shoot? Because these guys were laying into each other so hard from the very beginning. And it actually took about a minute for the match to get started because Kushida attacked Velveteen Dream before the bell rang. And then even after the bell rang, it was like a brawl just continued. So Kushida had a lot of really innovative offense as far as like submission holds. He put Velveteen Dream through. There was a moment where he pinned Velveteen Dream's arm behind the staircase and smashed the staircase into the side of the ring. Uh, So throughout the rest of the match, Velveteen Dream did an awesome job selling the pain in his arm. And Kushida, you know, wisely kept going after that one arm through submission holds, different types of offense, things like that. The match ends with Kushida putting Velveteen Dream into this really, really painful looking hold. Uh, Again, attacking the arm. The match ends, Velveteen Dream's talking to the ref, and of course they zoom in, and now you can hear everything without fans in the crowd. And you hear him just saying, it's my arm, it's my arm. So I think this match served two purposes, sort of. One is it gives them a way to write Velveteen Dream off television. And I think part of that is... One, I don't know that they have really a clear path for him mapped out right now in terms of feuds. Secondly, I think it's because of these speaking out allegations that they just want to get him off TV for a little while. Um, For whatever reason, you know, take it for what it's worth. We don't really know, unfortunately. But I I think that was kind of the underlying purpose behind this match. But at the same time, it made Kushida look like a killer. Like he just... Late in the offense, like I said, great submissions. I think him kind of having a little more of an edge to his character is what he was missing ever since debuting in NXT. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely looked edgy there at the end. And then, and then he beat him down after the match even. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what they're going to do with Velveteen. Did you, was that your speculation that they were going to take him off TV for a while? Or mm-hmm. is that confirmed? No, that that's definitely my speculation. If it's been confirmed, I haven't seen it yet, but that's just yeah. me speculating. Well, and, and I even saw Triple H weighed in and said something like, I forget his exact words, but to the effect that he's kind of been his own worst enemy. And I don't know, they're kind of acknowledging that like he's got issues. <laughs> and, um, Which is I don't a know. shame. They, they, they've, stuck, they've stuck with him when they didn't stick. You know, there's a lot of Me Too allegations or what was it called in the WWE? You just said it before. Uh, the, speaking uh, out speaking out movement there but and they dropped especially the uk guys they just dropped them in like a bad habit uh but velveteen they're they're sticking with and yeah he was one of my favorites there for a while i just remember when he came to milwaukee the first couple times it was like he is my favorite gold and i just i don't i don't know how to feel about him anymore it's like i know it's all innocent until proven guilty but i just i don't know i don't enjoy him like i used to until something comes out yeah, I yeah. felt really bad watching this match. Um, my girlfriend Becky was watching with me, and she's a big fan of Velveteen Dream. The first time he came to Milwaukee, actually, he was just up and coming. So he was on the undercard opening the show. And keep in mind, we're in Milwaukee, so we're about an hour drive from Chicago. Velveteen Dream comes out, 
in a Chicago Cubs crop top and just yes. harassing the audience. It was amazing. And he was, it was, he was wrestling Roddy Strong, I think. He was, yep. yeah. And that was a great match. And even before the match, match started, yeah. Becky was like, I love this guy. Who is this guy? And yeah. again, he was still just one of those guys you would see maybe on NXT TV. This was before the USA Network deal and all that. So yeah, um, really great character um you know we saw him a few times actually i think and the most recent he was competing for the nxt championship against tomaso champa had his character all ironed out just was on a rocket to the moon not to be confused young as hell Grimes. yeah uh but yeah it, it's just a shame what's happened there's like a recurring theme here it's like you know we're talking about damian priest kind of has a unique look he's got kind of mm-hmm. that like lanky thing going on i think that's something that always stood out for me with velveteen dream because he's like He's not this cruiserweight little guy. He's not some big muscle bone guy. He's like super lanky. He's got that almost Rick Rude thing going on where he's like, he does. He's ripped, but he's lean. And, uh, and he pays tribute. He pays yeah, tribute right. to the old school too. He always works yeah. the the old school wrestlers into his outfits. That's what I love about him. And he just has this kind of like thespian style to him. Yeah. And I hope. I'm I gonna, hope. I hope he's maybe innocent or something and it all works out but i guess we'll find out big time well that was a really great match and uh another great match that was on the card was the headliner this one was billed as uh the main event for nxt takeover and the first for kyle o'reilly one member of the undisputed era versus finn balor the current champion and I was very, very excited to see this one. At first, when you read it, it's kind of like Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor for the championship. What? Like, we haven't seen Kyle O'Reilly do a singles match. Um, but what you can bet on is that it was going to be very aggressive. It was going to be a lot of ground and pound, a lot of submissions, a lot of strikes, and a lot of great selling. I mean, probably the combined body fat in the ring of for those two guys was probably 2.8, but it <laughs> did look like Kyle O'Reilly put on a little bit more weight during COVID. Usually, Kyle O'Reilly's body fat is right around 2, uh, but it looked like he might have gone to 4% now. Like, Did you guys notice that? Well, I, I, I didn't do the measurements. But... Yeah, I don't know where you got the numbers. You a beard? But I'll take your word for it. That's just my estimation and my expert opinion. He didn't bodies. look like a baked ham, though. So I mean, a honey glazed ham. So that's, that's no. That's we'll get to I that noticed. later in the show. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that later in the show. But anyway, the match did end with Finn Balor retaining against Kyle O'Reilly, um, but not before uh, he bloodied his mouth. Finn Balor uh, got his mouth bloodied by Kyle O'Reilly, and. A hell of a match. Those two really put it on the line. I knew there was going to be a lot of false finishes just be by the endurance level that these guys can do and how fast uh, the momentum can shift. What did you think of this match, Matt? This was a, a great match for Kyle O'Reilly. Um, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, I think it was really interesting, though, because Finn Balor's style and Kyle O'Reilly's style are complete opposites. Finn Balor, if you've followed him for a long time, you notice he does a lot of striking. Everything's either a, a kick or a stomp or a double kick or something like that. Or a coup de gras. Right. Whereas with Kyle O'Reilly, 
you, it's more uh, submission based and grappling based. Um, I was really into New Japan Pro Wrestling for I want to say about a year. I followed it pretty closely, and there's a guy Zach Saber Jr. whose entire style mm-hmm. is based on submission. He's great. And if, by the way, if you haven't seen Zach Saber Jr., go watch some of his matches. It, he's one of a kind when it comes to submissions. But he was in the first or second cruiserweight tournament. I think made it to like the quarterfinals or the finals. But yeah, he was yeah. Yes. Yeah. A little taste for the American audience. Right. Totally. So, so Kyle Riley style kind of reminded me in a way of Zack Sabre Jr. Not quite as fluid, but definitely focused on submission. So it made it hard for Finn Balor to get close to him or even land a certain number of strikes. Cause if he would try Kyle O'Reilly could get a hold of an arm or a leg. And next thing you know, you have a submission attempt. Um, so it was really interesting. There was one spot in the match that made me kind of go, oh man, um, and really get into it, which was Finn Balor at one point just kind of kicks Kyle O'Reilly in the chest. And we've seen this move a million times, kind of like a low super kick. And Kyle O'Reilly quickly recovers like most wrestlers do now. Um, but then he quickly drops and kind of puts an arm up like, nope, nope. Like he got the wind knocked out of him. And it really got me into the match thinking like, okay, either that was a slip up or these guys are working pretty stiff, which as you watch the rest of the match, they were definitely working stiff. Mike, like you mentioned, Finn Balor's mouth was a little bloody at the end. And by a little bloody, I mean, there was a, quite a bit of blood actually. Um, yeah, and it, wasn't, Kyle O'Reilly, it wasn't like a cut. It wasn't like a cut, like how you normally do. He either like bit his tongue, like super bad. Like it was definitely from the physicalness of this match. Totally. And, and the same goes for Kyle O'Reilly too. He even halfway through the match had a little bit of blood on his mouth as well. Yep. And it, 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 for him, it seems a little more like what you see when forearms start getting thrown a little too hard. So either way, the match ends and both these guys just have bloody mouths. It, it was physical. Um, it was a really different style, though. I don't think any of us expected Kyle O'Reilly to win this match necessarily, but I do right. think it made him look really good. It gave them a chance to showcase him. I mean, yeah. how often have we seen Kyle O'Reilly in a singles match in NXT? So, uh, two, right. three, uh, two times that I can think of, and that's yeah. not recently. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely laid it all on the line, as we would expect. Uh, he does have an MMA background, too, right? Yeah, he so. does. And yeah, and so very obvious watching this match. And I mean, when I used to like in actual wrestling, they always say like those little the skinnier spry athletes are harder to like pin like in just normal wrestling. So having two spry uh individual wrestlers, I mean, they were just, you know, really stringing moves together. It was really fun to watch. I mean, if you like technical wrestling, strike like even if you're an mma fan i think you would really like this match too so it hit on a lot of levels i mean it was a great way to close the show it did get a little awkward at the end because uh adam cole apparently got assaulted in the back who was that dude that carried him down to the ring and threw him out there after the match so so i didn't know who this was either i thought it was pat mcafee at first glance but me too Listening to the What Culture podcast, I, I guess that's Rich Holland. He mm. just started with NXT very recently. Um, I forget his background, but he comes from some other sport, and I and I can't remember what it is. I'll have to do some follow up on that for the listeners. But but He's a big it, guy. it was just kind of a strange ending for I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people it fell kind of flat. Even people who follow NXT right. really closely, because I don't think Rich Holland is very like 
well-known yet within NXT, especially at the main event, upper mid-card level. He's still very much an undercard guy. So I don't know. For me, this was really weird. Yeah, it was kind of a flat way to end the event. They need, especially when there's no crowd to at least, you know, have React. some screaming and like, what? You you could just hear Bobby Fish and uh, Roderick be like, oh, what's going on? Adam, Adam. Even though Kyle Riley just got his ass kicked in the ring for a half hour and, they, and they're worried about Adam getting thrown down by some stranger. It was just kind of weird. Yeah, but, I, um, I agree. That was like... I, you make a great point. Like this was Kyle O'Reilly's moment. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, look over here. Here's Adam Cole. And you know, if it was someone like Tommaso Ciampa or if Adam Cole, like came into the ring and hugged Kyle O'Reilly and then turned on him, there's so many ways they could have booked this ending. um, Well, and they booked the lead up of Adam Cole being saying Kyle O'Reilly has never had his chance. This is his shot and he's going to win. Right. And then they come around and have Adam Cole, with all the concern at the end. So right. yeah. that's where maybe they'll play over. into that. Yeah. I could, yeah. I could see them doing something next week on TV where, you know, maybe Kyle O'Reilly comes at Adam Cole, like, Hey, you said this was my moment, but then at the end, it's all about you. Meanwhile, I'm laying in the ring bleeding from the mouth and nobody's coming to, you know, see if I'm okay. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's how we start to see the cracks in the undisputed era for him. Yeah. Drama, drama. You know, what's a lot of drama. TNT is AEW's dynamite. <laughs> and it was a hell of a dynamite this last Wednesday night. Lots of uh, good matches coming up with our predictions, but I just want to touch on something before we get to our predictions is MJF and Chris Jericho's interaction TV gold, uh, as you may call it. They have a little something brewing here. As we've been hinting, we still can't figure it out. And uh, this week's Dynamite, MJF went into the room where the inner circle was congregating, and it seemed like, you know, he was fraternizing with them, and the inner circle was – the other members of the inner circle, other than Chris Jericho, were trying to push him out a little bit. But Chris Jericho's like, eh, I don't know. I think I like this guy. And he brought them all coats, but he forgot uh, Sammy Guevara. That was really great. It's great. Classic MJF. Um, yeah. So, so my thought on this bit, if you go back and listen to one of our previous podcasts, and I can't remember which one, so maybe you'll just have to listen to all of them. I don't know. But <laughs> but on one episode, I did throw out this idea um, when we first talked about MJF looking for a new faction or a stable or some group to join. Um, you know, I had mentioned potentially the inner circle and kind of threw out an analogy to the rock in the nation of domination. So as we see this develop, I'm starting to think that maybe that's the direction they're going. And it makes makes sense because you have Chris Jericho becoming best buds with MJF, but we all know that MJF doesn't have friends. And if he does, he burns those bridges so quick. So I do think if I'm going to make a prediction here, which I know we're doing predictions coming up, but if I'm going to make a prediction on this storyline and how this develops, I think MJF ends up joining the inner circle and then slowly forces Chris Jericho out. Meanwhile, the rest of the members of the inner circle end up hating MJF because who doesn't? And the inner circle dissolves. As all that happens, it leads to some great banter between MJF and Chris Jericho. And ultimately we end up getting a match between those two, whether it happens at full gear, I don't know. That would be, 
I think kind of a quick development or maybe at an up a future pay-per-view we'll see but I could totally see them going that direction with this story yeah I would I think I agree with most of that I guess my tweak and my own to make it my own prediction is I think he will quote unquote join or, or, or get close to joining, but I think he's going to fracture it. And yeah, I think one way or another, they're going to force Jericho. And I just have a feeling Jericho is going to do like a kind of fight face run to kind of end things. But I, th- I guess my tweak on that is I think I, I bet you, I'm wondering if it's going to be MJF. Um, and I just lost their names. I hate when I do this, the, uh, the tag team. Um, Ortiz and Ortiz Santana and Ortiz. And Ortiz. Um, I think they'd stay with him maybe. And then I wonder if Guevara would stick with Jericho because of the little slight there and Jericho's always kind of looked out for him. So maybe it'd be like this, you know, like MGF takes over the inner circle and then Jericho and, and um, Guevara go after him. I don't know. I think something like that, but I do, I do echo that. I think, MJF is going to be the poison in the water and like somehow Jericho is going to wind out on the outs with this whole thing. Yeah. Speaking of Jericho, I mean, we are going to honor him on this Wednesday's 30 years of Jericho, where they're probably going to go over the, the career of Chris Jericho, all the uh, greatest moments of his. And I really do think uh, MJF being as good as he is on the mic is going to probably interrupt a speech of some sort of some kind of honoring, I think he's going to come out and be like, Christopher, Christopher. (laughs) Yes. We know how great you are. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I think that is going to be what's going to do it. I don't think, I don't think there is going to be any MGF in the inner circle. I think there's going to be some taunting and that's just about it. But I think like orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho had their slow buildup to their feud. Um, that wrapped up at All Out, I think that's just kind of what Chris Jericho is going to be doing with MJF, which is kind of crazy giving the two best mic people that work the mic the best, have them both go at it. Because it yeah, makes sense with, with Orange, who didn't talk, and then it gave so much more room for Chris Jericho to you know paint his picture with his mic skills. So this is brand new, and I'm very excited about it for sure. I still don't know. Like, yeah, Matt, you bring up a great uh, prediction. Steve, you bring up a great prediction. I still don't know where I'm at with it. All I know is MJF is going to have some uh, airtime with the mic during Chris Jericho's honoring. You know, if if there's one thing you can count on in pro wrestling, it's when someone's honored, they get married, Mm -hmm. they get a trophy, any sort of accolade like that things do not go as planned. And especially with a bombastic character like Jericho, I think somehow he's going to wind up with egg on his face. Right. Um, Cause it's just, it's, he, he begs for it. You know, he's such a smarmy dude. And it's like this 30 year thing. They probably do some nice things. Like I wouldn't be surprised based on what I'm seeing on Jericho on Twitter that uh, like, if he can, because I think he was recently released by WWE. Lance storm was like, I think one of his first matches uh, 30 years ago or they started together or something like that so i wouldn't be surprised if lance storm if he's able to makes a little cameo and maybe mm. some other people but mm. um in the end i think mgf or somebody's gonna rain on the parade a little i could see this being a lot like the oh what was it called so back in wwe i want to say 2016 chris jericho kevin owens 
uh, the Festival of Friendship. Yes. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I could see yep. that this following that format. And because this is something I feel like Chris Jericho has done this multiple times. He loves throwing big celebrations for something, just knowing that something's going to go wrong and it's just going to crash and burn. So I think both of you guys are right. It, it makes all the sense in the world, just based on what we've seen from Chris Jericho in the past, that he's going to end up with egg on his face in some way. Hopefully that leads to a great feud and more great weeks of dynamite. Agreed. Thousand percent. It's going to be must see TV. And uh, another reason it's must see TV is Cody will be going against Brody Lee in a dog collar match uh, for the TNT television title this Wednesday night. Um, Mr. Brody Lee, uh, the exalted one of the Dark Order, the Dark Order that's having an amazing run, uh, I don't think is going to uh, drop the title to Cody so quickly. I Like, I am the gimmicky guy of this podcast. The more gimmicky, the better. Give me the dog collar match. It is going to be hard hitting. You know Cody's going to, you know, get hurt. You know gonna, Brody Lee's going to take some punishment. Bloody. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be some match. There's going to be a lot of punishment. I don't think... Brody Lee will drop the title, but we're going to see what blood looks like in brown hair or black hair, whatever shade you know, of hair Cody's and, hair is now. Not and did you And did you guys catch that when they were hyping this match, um, Jim Ross made a reference to a classic dog collar match with Greg the Hammer Valentine. There's a little <laughs> no. shout out on, there was, he mentioned Greg the Hammer Valentine on oh. Dynamite as like having done one of these matches years ago. Uh, we might have to reach out to them for stealing our intellectual property. Just mention yeah. Greg the Hammer Valentine's name. Yeah. That Hi, Greg. For you, Greg. Yep. yep. Thanks for listening. Love you, Greg. But no, yeah, I what think you... that I, I agree with you. I don't think, I don't, I think it's too early to take the title off, but I, then I, beyond that, I don't know. I mean, something screwy is going to have to happen because, you know, that was such a hot return by Cody and he's all focused and fired up and all that. Something screwy is going to have to happen that he um, doesn't win the title, but, you know, I, I guess that could be any number of things. It could be the, you know, the dark order swarming the ring or maybe Cole Cabana will make some move. I don't know, but um I don't think he'll win, but I don't know how he's going to lose, which yeah. is cool. I like that. I, I agree. And I think I'd, I'm in the same boat as you, Steve. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I think part of that's because AW up to this point has done such a good job of not using interference as a get out of jail free card in every match that they put out. Um, so I don't, I really have no idea how this is going to go down. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think Cody ends up winning this match. I think it's kind of weird having Cody have a great run with the TNT title and then Brody Lee have it for, you know, what's it been like a month maybe, and then flip it back over to Cody. But at the same time, this isn't the same Cody that had the title the last time around. This is black haired Cody, right? This is black haired Cody. This is heelish Cody. Gomez Adams, Cody. He's got a dark button-up shirt and suit on now. He's he's evil, Cody. So. And did you notice that he 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 applied the figure four leg lock, which I know he's done before, but it's like they just this whole horseman thing just seems to be sprinkled in constantly. <sighs> I know, old school. Know. You know, one other thing they could do with this match is go to a time limit draw too. But oh, I, although they haven't used that, they haven't used it in a while. Although I don't really know how that helps the story um i mean ultimately it could come to that just to kind of prove like 
you know, Cody's kind of, he's back. He's better than he was before, but he's still not quite there. So then maybe if that happens after the match has ended in a draw, maybe that's when we see the horsemen. Maybe. And you know what? If they say the words, this match is blah, 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 with 30 minute time limit. If they say 30 minutes or less, I think you're totally right. Yeah. What's Cody's dog's name again? Pharaoh. I have an autograph of uh, Pharaoh. I believe Pharaoh is what is going to get Cody disqualified because it is a dog collar match. So I think Pharaoh will be down in attendance oh. and will oh boy. Uh, probably have some kind of paw in the outcome of the, of the match. So that's my, that's my prediction. Yeah. I think something screwy is going to happen. I hope they use dogs. I love my dog. Shout out to Athena. I do, but you guys were there at uh, all out. Right. And, um, they yep. um they brought Pharaoh got totally freaked out by the fireworks <laughs> and they had to kind of take yeah. him back. I'm hoping I kind of for Pharaoh's sake I I hope they very sparse with when they bring him out. But uh, <laughs> I think they probably learned their lesson. I'm, but uh, I am maybe probably way fireworks. off. I'm probably way <laughs> off. I mean, it's a dog collar match and be too way too obvious. But I'm hoping. Remember that? Remember that match with the Undertaker and Big Boss Man that was like with the dogs like. <laughs> Do you guys remember that no, one? You just watched that on the W. Yeah, and it was a disaster. First of all, the Whoa. dogs weren't like, I think they like one of them like shit and stuff. But it was like they were supposed to give the illusion of like being aggressive and they weren't. And it was like, wow. it really was just a horrific match in actuality. And um, yeah, that's a little fun, little extra credit for all of you listening to watch that on the WWE Network, Boss Man and Under. And I forget, it was like some. What were the dogs movie. for? What were they for? Were they just to, like, they were outside to, of the ring, like the idea is they'll attack. So, like, you know, I think, yeah, but it just did not work. Like if you get thrown out of the ring, the dogs yeah, are supposed to bite you? After you. Yeah. What? Was it like a gang of adorable puppies or something? It was like Dobermans or something, not or Pitbull Rottweilers or something. I don't remember, but they were not aggressive. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you should. If, yeah. I probably won't go back and watch that in all fairness, but. The one match I probably will go back and watch now is, uh, well, it's not even a match. It's the big boss man reading a eulogy to the big show after his daddy dies. Oh, that was probably the most poorly tasteful segment I've ever seen on TV, but for some reason I just can't help but laugh. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got way off topic. Mike, bring us back. That's all right. We'll have to get our intern on that. Yeah. You know, who's a big dog. Brian Cage, and he will oh. be going up against Will Hobbs for the FTW Championship this Wednesday also. So two titles on the line on the same night as Jericho getting honored as well. Dude, so, so two, two things on this. So first of all, when you say, you know who's the big dog? Well, Roman Reigns would be the obvious answer. So you're yeah, really I think, hard with Brian Cage. Number yeah, you two, better hope he's not listening. I know, I know. Well, hopefully, you know, if Roman someday decides to join us on the podcast, hopefully he doesn't listen to the backpack catalog. Um, but Roman Reigns is always the big dog. Number two, this FTW title. So admittedly, haven't watched a ton of Dynamite recently. Is there a story now behind this title? Because I remember when they first revealed it. Nope. It was just kind of like everybody threw their arms up, like the shrugging emoji. Like, okay, what? I don't know what this is, but I'm going to go with it. Depending on your level of knowledge of, I believe, ECW, like, Taz came out and dropped, like, this obscure title reference from, like, you know, his era, and that's all. I mean, they haven't, like, explained really much about it. It's just, 
essentially gave him his own million dollar belt and uh that's it yeah and he i don't think this i think this is the first time he i think this is the first time that he um defend is defending it yeah yeah i mean i haven't heard about it since taz first unveiled it my hope is it's some sort of a hardcore title being, being it's coming from ECW. They didn't because, say that, but that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, AEW is not shy about blood and weapons and things like that. So, you know, n- not that I want to see guys get hurt cause I don't, but at the same time, you know, it's something that none of the other major promotions are doing. So I guess we'll see. Take advantage. Yeah. Should we call Charlie and see what's up with the FTW title? <laughs> we can try. We can ask him next time. Wake him up. Yeah, that's true. So I I'm excited to see Will Hobbs uh, have a headliner. Yeah. I mean they've been building him up a little bit. I mean it's not the headliner, but this is probably his biggest match in his career for sure. I mean going against Brian Cage. Yeah, oh. it's like yeah. Will Hobbs. So <laughs> when you first mentioned his name, Mike, I, I couldn't imagine who that was. Honestly, like, because again, haven't kept up with Dynamite too much lately. But on the last his podcast, name Will? if you go back and listen, um, I, I think it yeah. is Will. You're right. But on the last yeah. podcast, he was the guy that Charlie just buried and said he's going to be doing a job for everyone. Ice. He'll be looking up at the lights. Yeah. yeah. Ice Train Jones. <laughs> Ice Train Jones. Yeah. AKA Will Hobbs. Uh, well, Will, you got your work cut off for you against Brian Cage this week on Dynamite. Yeah. I think he I will hope win he by wins. losing. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, that'd be funny. Like they give this fake type this or ceremonial title to uh, Brian Cage, and like in his first defense, he loses it. Well, that'd yeah. Well, who, who the hell wants the FTW title, the title that nobody knows anything about, the thing that like basically just got inserted into the storyline? If I'm yeah. Will Hobbs, I mean, maybe Will Hobbs does win it. Like, how? Why does Brian Cage? get to carry this title like oh well they're not going to take the ftw title off of brian cage that title is way too important brian cage is too important the ftw title doesn't mean shit and i really think uh brian cage should drop it to will hobbs i think that would be great i think if they do drop it to will hobbs will hobbs could totally get over by flipping the belt around upside down instead of the ftw title he'd have the wtf title because that's yes. what he says about it anyway yes i like it great call matt Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's that award-winning uh, insight that Matt brings to the table. That that's what they pay us for here on Keep the Cage. Yeah. You're not going to hear that on uh, you know, the Conrad Thompson podcasts or uh, some of these other ones out there. You're mm-hmm. going to hear that right here on Keep the Kayfabe. Right. No, you listen to that, you hear actual insight from reliable news sources. Here, you get real speculation. Yeah, this is pure speculation. You know what else? you will only hear on this podcast is when we're actually wrong. And I was very wrong to dog on Miro last podcast. I was listening to unrestricted with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, Aubrey Adams. Is it Aubrey Edwards or Adams? Edwards. Edwards. I think it's Aubrey Coronet. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Anyway, I was very, um, I wasn't fair to Miro. I called him a bastard of wrestling. I thought like he, he won't amount to nothing. I listened to his episode on unrestricted and that guy is one of the biggest sweethearts I've ever heard in my entire life. And I take back every bad word I've ever and he's said. Hilarious. He's a hilarious. He's a God loving man. He appreciates his wife. He's from a foreign land. He speaks great English. He's a hockey fan. 
He probably does. He didn't he mention it. No, he is. is. He? He's a Nashville Predators fan. My 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 nephew lives in Nashville now, oh and he saw God. him at a game, and they put him up on the big. You know, he and he and Lana were there. I'm such an asshole. I hate yeah. myself after after dogging the dude so bad on the last podcast because after hearing him and his story and what he went through and how, just how grateful and appreciative and how hardworking is, I'm like, fuck you, Vince McMahon. For like, shame. If, you, no. if you can't like throw this dude a bone and not love him and not try to build him up, then honestly, fuck off. Cause now I'm kind of in love and I just want to see a little bit more. So if you guys That's big want, of you. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a perfect person. Well, you know, it's what I like about this is you're not like super negative and, crapping on people like you know jim Cornette. you're you know you're a positive person exactly it's true and i can admit when i'm wrong i'm wrong yeah. a lot and, Not and, a I'll, lot. and i'll second that because i admittedly was kind of egging you on last week when you were going off on some of these things and just coincidentally and this was not planned or anything i also happened to list to listen to the aew unrestricted podcast it's a nice podcast Dude, today Mm -hmm. in fact the episode with Miro and I thought the exact same thing such a nice guy like you know I never would have guessed any of these things he talks about having seen him as Rusev in AEW or yeah WWE he's so one-dimensional as Rusev very one-dimensional and as a person he is not at all um in fact I was really blown away by just how good of a all-around human being he is so right yeah like I genuinely hope he has success in AEW just based on that alone. Did you guys exactly. see that for the past three consecutive weeks on Raw, Lana's been put through a table? Yes, I heard that. Um, and Is he this talks about that a little bit on the podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, does he? You have to believe part of that is them physically and metaphorically burying lana because of what rusev has or excuse me which which is so fucking childish and stupid but at the same time it's like she's still collecting the same paycheck so it's like okay vince or whoever you want to be like children about it like who are you really punishing like she's still she's still making a good living under your business like you know it's Mm -hmm. it's just so stupid if that's what they're doing i wouldn't expect anything less honestly yeah yeah, it's I, I, part of me thinks that at the same time, listening to that unrestricted podcast, Miro does talk about how she really does enjoy what she's doing and her job yeah. with WWE. So, and this was, keep in mind, this was just recorded. So she'd already been put through at least two tables. So, and I got to believe, you know, Miro hears everything from her about what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, sure. So, so even with all of that being what it is, if she still loves her job there, you know, could it be a little bit of both? Maybe, but as long as she's happy doing what she's doing. That's exactly. Awesome. And she's collecting a nice WWE paycheck. So God bless her. She's having fun making TikToks with Mandy Rose. That's also must see TV. That that sounds like it'd be fun to do. Mm-hmm. Big it time. must see. Mm-hmm. Well, boys, I think this was another great episode of Keep the Kayfabe. I can't wait for Wednesday night to see um, what transpires on that big, bloated, honey-baked ham. Stick some pineapples and cherries in that belly of Chris Jericho. I know it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be so, so much fun. Uh, the dog collar match, I can't wait to see the outcome. And let's let's root on our boy, Will Hobbs. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for him. You know, I, I, I respect Brian Cage. He's talented. He's like He's got a good look. But I want Will Hobbs to beat him. 
this, Big you know, with, especially with Charlie not here this week, uh, I think, you know, this, this podcast is going to officially endorse Will Hobbs. Absolutely. Hobbs. What's a, what's a show? Uh, damn it. Kelvin and Hobbs. Of, yeah. We got to get a little, uh, we got to get a little Kelvin and Hobbs comic book for our first t-shirts having the like but have will hobbs like uh you know penciled in so we're and just we gonna have... superimpose will hobbs's face over kelvin and so he and a imaginary tiger will be riding in a in a wagon down a hill at high speed you know that's good shit <laughs> that is good shit <laughs> some would say that yes oh can i throw out a little uh maybe a little segment here um other podcasts to listen to when you're done with ours there's a great episode of uh something to wrestle with bruce pritchard uh this past week with uh talking about the model rick martell but they go far beyond that they talk about the entire career of rick martell and i don't know i'm an old dude i, I really like awesome. him he's a great wrestler so it's a really good thing it just talks about his time in the awa when he was the world champ it talks about a couple runs he had with the wwf which i didn't even know he had multiple ones um, check it out if you got some time after you know you've listened to this awesome podcast. That sounds cool. Yeah, the, I might just do that. The model Rick Martel was the man. I loved his whole look with the beret and then the um, yeah, the arrogance. The, yeah, and that actually gave me a great idea for our outro music for this week too. So um, remember to follow us on Instagram under Keep the Kayfabe uh, and follow us on Spotify for more all things wrestling where we get you all the news and all the great topics happening in the wonderful world of wrestling i'm mike it's been great talking with you all steve and matt i hope the boys have a great week catch you off on the flip side peace